0: I sent a letter to my church withdrawing my membership and saying that I am denouncing the Christian faith that I have believed, professed, proclaimed, and defended for the last 30 years of my life. These are the words from a Facebook video, maybe some of you guys may have seen it, uh, by Brady Fanatic. Goodwin, Uh, Phonetic was his his rap name, so he was a former Christian and former member of a pioneering and legendary Christian hip-hop group called Cross Movement, you all may have heard of it, so he was a part of Cross Movement, a former Christian and a a beast for the Christian faith for, for over 30 years. He gives more details as to why he's leaving the faith, then he ends with this, he says, I still love the gospel action. Still love the way that the message has been massaged and presented to us. The way the scriptures present themselves. The various authors. I get it. I just don't believe it. These are sad words to read in here. Sobering words. So, sobering words, scary words to. These are the type of words we've heard, sadly, from many over the years. From some people I know personally, or I've legitimately heard people say the same thing over the years that I've been in the faith. Some of you may have heard the same thing from friends or family members, close ones, who have said the same words that they have denounced the faith. These folks were running side by side with us In the race of the faith, but we kept running and they left the track. Why is that? Why does that happen? Well, in our time together, thank you Brian for for reading that article regarding our statement of faith uh, as we're going to be talking about the perseverance of the saints. In our time together this afternoon, I hope to unpack and explore this answer with you from God's word. So if you have a Bible, please turn with me to the book of Jude. to the book of Jude, verses 17 through 25. Jude is one of those books that is tucked away in the back. Uh, you probably haven't gone to it in a while, or you may have, but it's, but it's, it's right before the book of Revelation. So turn there with me. A little context uh, as you turn there. So Jude is the author. Jude is the brother of James and the half-brother of of Jesus, the Lord Jesus. Yes, Jesus had siblings. So Jude is is writing to a church that's battling false teachers who claim to have new revelations from a higher source and are threatening and discrediting the teachings of the apostles. So this is the, the brief context as to Jude 11. Let's pray before we dive in to this wonderful book. Father in heaven, uh, thank you for it's time to study your word together, Lord, as we look at the book of Jude. Uh, thank you for the book of Jude, and, and although it's short, but it's, it's so powerful, uh, so much meat in this one book, Lord, this, this one page, uh, I just pray that you would help me uh, as we think about persevering as saints, to help me to preach faithfully, clearly accurately for your glory uh, for yeah the edification of the saints and for the, the saving of sinners Lord I pray with your word do the work in all of our hearts in every way that you see fit I pray all of this in the matchless name of Jesus amen amen, amen. so Jude look of Jude if you're there verse 17 it says but you must remember beloved waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now and forever. Amen. Amen. So if I had to summarize this passage, it may go something like this. To persevere, we must remember God's word, keep ourselves in God's love, show God's mercy to all, and praise God for his works forever. I'll say it one more time. To persevere, we must remember God's word, keep ourselves in God's love, show God's mercy to all, and praise God for his works forever. So this main idea is going to be broken down into four points. Uh, Here they are. Number one, remember God's word. See that in verses 17 to 19. Number two, keep yourselves in God's love. Verses 20 through 21. Number three, show God's mercy to all. Verses 22 and 23. Number four, lastly, praise God for his works forever. Verses 24 and 25. Let's look at the first one together. And let me, let me just say off, off rip, uh, there's a lot of ground to cover here. So I'm going to work through this as best as I can. Uh, bear with me uh, as uh, at least the second point is going to probably be the longest point. Okay, so bear with me uh, in our time uh, to get this out. So number one, remember God's word. Look back with me at verses 17, 17 through 19. It says, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. So Jude starts off uh, in verse 17 with remember. If you think about it, the call to persevere is really a call to remember. Right? To persevere. And so what what is he calling the church then to remember? Well, it's in the next part of the verse. It says the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus. So, So Jude calls the church to remember what was spoken to them by the apostles. And now the word apostles, I mean, we've looked at this before, we've studied this before. Uh, The word apostles here is referring to the 12 apostles. So 12 men that were called, chosen by Jesus, who were present with Jesus during his time here on earth, who were granted unique gifts to perform signs and wonders and miracles and who were witnesses to his resurrection, Right. And it's based on this criteria in scripture, so being chosen by Jesus, being with Jesus when he was here on earth, present with him, and I have witnesses to his resurrection that these men could be and were considered capital A apostles, right? Which then, when we think about apostles today, this proves, this shows that there are no modern day capital A apostles, nor will there ever be again, but the word apostle also means sent one. So in that sense of the meaning of the word, every Christian, so all of us sitting here this, this afternoon, every every gospel preaching church that is gathered today, we're all in that meaning of the word, sent ones. We've been sent here to Congress so we've been sent to wherever we are. Yeah. Similar word usage is is meant for missionaries right? that go overseas and across the world and essentially we are all in in that sense of the meaning missionaries for the Lord's gospel. So what did the apostles predict? Look back with me in verse 18. They predicted this. It says, they said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. So in the last time is referring to the last days. What this means is, as one scholar puts it, says New Testament Christians believe that the last days had dawned with the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and with his death and resurrection. Right? It's like how my mom and my aunt used to say when I was little, uh, growing up, uh, when they would just see particular tragedies tragedies that happened in the world or just the fallenness of, of, of our world, they would say, Maybe we are we are living in the last days. You better get right with Jesus. <laughs> Some of you guys maybe have moms and grandmoms and others who said the same thing. They were right because they believe what the Bible taught about being in the last days, and that when the Lord Jesus came, that inaugurated what His coming, but 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 the last days, right? So we are in the last days and have been since coming death resurrection of our Lord. Essentially what this means is, is that Jesus could come back at any point. He can come back at any point. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 says he will come like a thief in the night. Swiftly, quickly. Will you and I be found ready? The only way to be ready is by making sure we have a saving relationship with Jesus. By turning from our sin and receiving the son for salvation I know a lot of us have done that but if anyone hasn't done that this is the only way to be right with God this is the only way to be ready to prepare for his coming so receive him today, but don't delay may today be your day of salvation by trusting in Jesus look back down in the text scoffers in the text is referring to those who mock right, those who who crack jokes and ridicule someone for their faith. That's what the word scoffers mean. So when somebody's scoffing, you know, for somebody who, you know, for Christians, like, you know, scoffing and them cracking jokes that like, you're a Jesus guy, you're a Jesus girl, you know, like like joking on you, joning on you. So that's what scoffing means. But not only do they trash those of the true faith, they also teach an opposing faith. All right. This is the context for which this letter is written by, look back with me in verses 3-4 at the beginning of the letter. It says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to all the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So you see that there. This is the context of, of the passage. You see there in verse 3 Jude says to contend for the faith. right? To fight for the truth, for the faith. Peter and Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, uh, said that these things would be so. So they're thinking about the predictions of the apostles. Well, here are two apostles that predicted these things in the text. So 1 Timothy 4.1, Paul there says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some would depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Right? Second Peter 3.3, 3, Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Right? So you have two examples there of the apostles predicting these particular things that Jude is is looking back on and saying, hey, they they said these things would happen. Well, these things are actually happening. They're fulfilling uh, scripture, essentially what what God has said, uh, what the Lord Jesus had, had predicted himself. Notice that not only do these scoffers teach a false message, they also live a false life. Right? Look back down with me at verse eighteen. It says, "What do they do?" It says they they, they follow their own ungodly passions. So they are teaching false mess, but they're living like a mess too. Ungodly, opposed to God. They don't live to accurately proclaim Christ. And they don't actively pursue Christ. They also aren't persons of peace. Look at verse 19. What does it say? It says, It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the spirit. So, they cause divisions and disunity. Disunity. They are worldly people, and they don't have the Holy Spirit living in them. They don't have the Holy Spirit like us Christians. We have the Holy Spirit residing in us as we are seeking to promote unity and peace, togetherness, true love, grace. They instead are promoting disunity. They are instead promoting divisions. These are the scoffers. These are the people that Jude is referring to. This is not the way of the Christian. That's not what Christians are supposed to do. And we'll even see this contrasted starting in verse 2, uh, which is going to lead to verse 2. So that's, that's number one. We remember God's word. remember what he has said. remember that he was fulfilling what he said, and it will come to pass, and it has come to pass. Number two, keep yourselves in God's love. Keep yourselves in God's love. Look back with me at verse 20. Again, the call to persevere is to keep yourselves, to keep ourselves in the love of God. And what I want to do in this time, I I want to show us four ways of how to keep ourselves, to keep yourself in the love of God that's right in the text. All right, so number one, build yourselves up in the faith. See that in verse 20? What does it say? It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Some of you all may have heard me use this illustration before, uh, but when I used to work at the YMCA, so I worked at the YMCA for like five years in North Carolina, and um, one of my supervisors during that time, he was really dope with it. He was a leader. Uh, man, I wanted to learn from him and grow uh, from him. I went to him one day, and I said, I said to him, I said, I said, hey, uh, could you could you teach me? Could you help to develop? and he responded with something that I wasn't looking for, actually. He said, he said, Josh, you're responsible for your own development." And I was like, man, I mean, that's true. At the same time, you are my supervisor, right? Like, so so there is an element to it where there are some things that, yeah, in a disciple relationship, right, or, or a boss to staff relationship, there are things that you are gonna teach me, but at the same time, he's right. There are things by which, if I'm trying to be a great leader in the Y or as a pastor now and so forth, there is a responsibility that I have, right? To help to grow myself and to develop myself and seek out ways to, to grow. So, similarly, Christians here, uh, you and I have a responsibility to, to build ourselves up in the faith, to build yourself up in. To pursue growth in Christ, to spend time with Jesus in his word, and to spend time with him in prayer, to commune with him. You and I have a responsibility to repent of our own sins, right? And to turn from those things in our lives, to bring them to the light as God is in the light, and then to trust God to help us fight sin, right? To confess sin to one another. That's our responsibility. If we hide in sin, that's what we're doing. If we're not hiding in sin, that's our responsibility to come and tell others so that they could pray, as James tells us, right? To bring it to the elders, bring it to the congregation so that we might pray for one another. that's our responsibility, right? But then we trust God to help us to fight sin, right? To grow. So this is on you, this is on me, but then at the same time, it's not solely on you. It's not solely on me. Philippians 2, 12-13 shows us this. It says, Paul there says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So here we have that piece right there. We looked at this some briefly in the weeks past, but, but there's, there's a responsibility there to work out your own salvation with awe, with fear, with trembling. right? So to do those different things that I just mentioned of like Yo, making sure you are right with God. Making sure you da- you're daily communing with God. But then at the same time, that's not all on you. Verse 13 For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So as you strive to build yourself up, as you strive to pursue Christ and to grow in Christ, be reminded. That it is God who is going to be working in you. As you are seeking to work, God is working. He's going to work in you, and he's going to bring about the growth that you are looking for, that you are desiring. This is God's work. And also, guess what it says? He, He does it with pleasure. He delights in growing you, Christian. He delights in growing me. He delights in making himself more known to us. He wants us to know him, and we should want to know him right and so this is what God delights in doing this is his pleasure lastly on that same note notice that this is not written to an individual not just written to a single person it's written to individuals Jude is written to a church of believers collective a community so you don't only build yourself up personally but you also do it in community. You do it in community. You grow with others, not in isolation. Yeah, you spend your quiet time. Yeah, you spend time with Jesus to yourself before you go to work, or whatever the case may be. But you also do what we're doing now, gathering, <laughs> coming to church, to be with the believers. We, only, we, we gather, but we also scatter during the week, right? When we have... Other opportunities where we are seeking to disciple one another, so different discipling groups and different things, right? So, you, so it's it's in community that we we also grow. And so may we continue to all strive to to build ourselves up personally, but then also corporately together as a people. Number two, so that's one. To pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit. Look back at verse twenty with me. It says. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. So, we're looking at praying in the Spirit. So, so, some believe this refers to praying or speaking in tongues. But I don't believe that this means that based on a few things in Scripture, right? One, it's clear that not everyone has the gift of tongues. Not everybody, but like the Holy Spirit gives gifts. He doesn't give the same gift or the same gifts to everyone. So not everyone uh, gets the gift of tongues or gets the gift of administration, which is also a gift, or whatever the gift can be. So, so 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says, All these are empowered by one from the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All right? So here we see that. I would encourage you, yeah, read. 1 Corinthians 12-14, to see the, the church and to see all these different things. We won't have that time to, to delve into all that this afternoon, but but I encourage you to read those chapters. as They're really good and just, just helpful in thinking about these things. So that's 1 Corinthians 12-11. But then 1 Corinthians 12, 29-30, just to kind of pull this out a little bit more in thinking about not everyone gets the same gifts. He says there, Paul, he says, are all apostles... Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all put, possess gifts of healing? Nope. Do all speak with tongues? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? So, even Paul there asking the question, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's the assumption is that no, like, right? no, all do not get these gifts. Some do, some don't, right? Even based on the next text that I'm about to read, uh, it could seem that the gift of tongues has ceased, right? So 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8 says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So, got it. Different people on different sides, right? Some who believe the gifts are still uh, in existence, some who say they are not. The purpose of me bringing all this up is not to open the can of worms or to debate whether the gift of tongues still exists today or not. That's another sermon for another day. Uh, but 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 I but I would I would share my position on spiritual gifts, as I'm sure even me kind of walking through this might even have you wondering. So I take after one of my seminary professors, uh, Southeastern Seminary on this. So I wouldn't consider myself a continuationist or a cessationist, so so someone who believes that they are continual or someone who believes they have ceased, you may not like this answer, but it's, it's, this is where I see myself as the professor. I'm open, I'm open. So I'm in the middle, okay? Uh, this means I'm in the middle. So I'm okay if they are, and I'm okay if they aren't. I don't believe they are salvation issues until we make them salvation issues. And then that is a false gospel, right? Now, as mentioned above, capital A apostles have ceased. So I do believe that, and the scriptures warranted that. I believe prophecies have also ceased, as Hebrews 1 is clear on uh, that as it says this. It says, Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, it says, long ago, and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. All right? So it says long ago, yeah, God spoke through the prophets, but here in these last days, even when we see that last days here, he has spoken to us by his son. All right? So, and, and, and we have what he, has, what he has spoken here, right? His word. So prophecies or prophetic ministries, those things have, have yeah, no place. But I do believe God still heals. I believe God heals. Do people have healing ministries or do signs and wonders in the same way Jesus did and the apostles? No. I don't think so. I think even just kind of walking through this, it, it, it begs for me to like, man, we should do a, a, a sermon series on the spiritual gifts one day, right? To kind of walk through that and and to discuss that as it's God's word and it's good. And God has given it to us and he's giving gifts to the church uh, for us to be able to serve. But here's my point. I brought all of this up as it's an interpretation of some regarding what praying in the spirit means, right? And so I just wanted to walk through that very briefly. Just to get to this point, as this is what some folks believe, when you read this, as the text says, they interpret it as praying in tongues, okay? And I just wanted to share, and so again, I don't believe it means this, I actually believe it's referring to the regular, ordinary prayer life of the Christian, meaning if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit residing in you right now, and when you pray, there's a sense in which you're praying in the Spirit because you have the Spirit in you. Doesn't mean that you are an elite Christian or have a special portion of the Holy Spirit. When you pray, every believer has the same Holy Spirit residing in him or her when they pray. Okay? Paul agreed with this elsewhere in the Scripture. So Ephesians 6.18 he says, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Paul again in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We see that? Two examples of Paul. But then Jesus. Jesus doesn't model praying in tongues. He tells us to pray like this. So Matthew 6, 9 through 13, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth, as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. as We also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from Again, don't believe that the scriptures are, are, are teaching that uh, praying in the Holy Spirit means praying in tongues or speaking in tongues we have evidence elsewhere to suggest the opposite that that, that just simply means just the normal ordinary praying life of the Christian because we all have the Holy Spirit residing in us when we pray We are, in a sense, praying in the Spirit because the Spirit lives in us. Y'all with me? Amen. 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 So again, four ways to keep yourself in the love of God. That was number two. Number three. Remember God's love is keeping you. Remember God's love is keeping you. Look back with me at verse 21. So it says there, it says, Keep yourselves in the love of God. So Jude tells the saints there and to us today, To keep ourselves in the love of God. So in the midst of false teachers, again, remember the context of Jude, false teachers. So in the midst of false teachers trying to persuade them or or even us today to love another teacher, to worship a false God. Jude is like, yo, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. The world wants us to love the things of the world to enjoy and pursue sin, to have a false understanding of fun, right? To, to, to live life to the fullest apart from God, which is no fun at all. To, 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 to be uh, apart from God for all of eternity. God's word tells us the complete opposite. So 1 John 2 15 through 20, excuse me, 15 through 17, excuse me, it says, do not love the world or the things in the world, anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. So God here is telling us something completely different. The world says, love me love the world, love the things of the world. Now, I'm not saying you can't enjoy these things. Again, God is the one who is. he created all things, and there are things that we enjoy. But what happens is when we take those things that we enjoy and we make them a God thing, which we, then becomes an idol, and we start to worship them. So essentially here, he's basically saying, don't have anything else in the place that I'm supposed to be in in loving, right? So you are to love me with all that you are, with every fiber in your body. You are to love me, not anything else or anyone else. Y'all with me? You are to love me. So love him. So the world does doesn't know true love. But God, who is love, has shown his love to us and is then keeping us by his love. And lean in, hear hear me when I say that this really gets at the heart of what I'm talking about today, the topic that we're talking about. So the perseverance of the saints, this gets at the heart of it. Whereas a helpful definition of perseverance of the saints is this, is that the belief that those who are truly among the elect will remain faithful to the end. That's what perseverance of the saints is. In other words... Only those who truly have saving faith will be saved in the end. Only those who have put their trust in Jesus will persevere to the end. And don't miss this. The only reason those of us who are believers will persevere to the end, the only reason we keep ourselves in the love of God or strive to keep ourselves in the love of God is because really God's love is keeping us. God's love that is keeping us. He's keeping you. He's keeping me. Where would you and I be without the love of God? Where would you be? Where would I be? Nowhere. Nowhere. So you put the last two sermons with this one. So the first one, we, we talked about biblical election. And then last week we talked about uh, sanctification. You put those two Together with this one, the perseverance of the saints, this is what's made clear. Those who are called, chosen by God, will be sanctified and will be kept to the end. This is is what the Bible teaches. Romans 8.30. Those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. It was 8, 38, and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that good news? That nothing will separate you, Christian? Nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So, then, so, so what about those who then fall away? started out the sermon using an illustration of a prominent Christian hip-hop legend. What about those who fall away? I'm a proponent of once saved, always saved. I believe that's what the scriptures teach. Once saved, always saved. Meaning, if you are saved, you will never fall away or denounce your faith. Again, Will we still have hard times? Yes. Have we had some hard times? Yes. Will we be tempted? Yes. Will we have trials? Yes. Will there be tribulations? Yes. I'm not saying any of that. Jesus said we would. Even some of the texts we were reading just now said we would. But for the Christian, for the one who has truly put their trust in Christ, believing upon him, he or she will not fall away. You see this in our letter we're studying this afternoon. This the book of Jude. Look at verse 1. Verse 1 even starts highlighting the keeping power of God in the life of the believer. And then the book ends with the same assurance. Look there with me. So Jude 1, the second part of it says, To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. You hear that language here you see election in this language to those who are called who are elected who are chosen by God beloved that's your identity as a Christian you are beloved you are of the beloved in God and guess what you're kept kept for Jesus Christ look at the end of the book look at verse 24 we will look at this in our later point last point but look at Jude 24 it says that to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. God is able to keep you, Christian. He's able to keep me. He will keep us. The reason we're here is because he kept us. Other places in scripture, in thinking about this, 1 John 2.19, it says, they went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. So to to, to... yeah. John 6.37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. two verses later in that same chapter, John six thirty nine, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up on the last day. Do you hear that? Jesus will not lose you. You don't come to Jesus and he loses you. It won't happen. All that comes to him, all that hears him will come to him, and they will never be cast out He will not lose anyone. Ephesians 1.13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Sealed. Christians here today, Christians all around, sealed with the Holy Spirit. Once you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you don't want to taste the sourness of the world again. You don't want to taste it. You see that in Psalm 34, 8, 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. And even the story of the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son coming to his senses in Luke 15, 16 through 17. He's, he's, He's gotten his father's inheritance. He's wilding out spitting it all, wasted it. He's he's hungry. (laughs) He's wanting what the pigs are even eating. That's what the text says. Then then he comes to his senses. He, He had tasted the love of the Father. He went away from that, thinking that there was love elsewhere, only to find that the world doesn't love you back. There's no love there. There's pain there. There's destruction there. There's there's wickedness there. There's sin there. It's it's tasteless. It's not good. It comes to a sense he he wants to taste and see that the Lord is good again. So again, what about those who fell away? What about those who fall away? We have been studying as we've been singing God's word. Sadly, they were never saved. They were never saved. But, 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 please hear me when I say but. The good news is they can. They can be saved. They can be saved as long as they have breath in their lungs. They can experience genuine salvation. They can be saved. So if you have loved ones or friends, whomever it might be, even praying for Fanatic, praying for this dear brother who was a champion for the faith for 30 years, all is not lost for him. There is still hope for him. And so we need to keep praying for him, for others that we might know. We need to keep loving them, keep sharing the gospel with them, keep trusting God to do the work that. Only he can do And save the lost. All right, lastly, number four.
1: Is that it? Not yet. Lastly, number
0: four. Await Jesus' return. Await Jesus' return. Look that with me at verse 21b. So it says, "Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, that leads to eternal life." So, you keep yourself in the love of God by hoping in the Lord's return. Did you catch that? Do you see that? The text says, "Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, that leads to eternal life." So you keep yourself in this love by by hoping. For the Lord's return he's coming back soon saints. he's coming back soon he's coming to get us he's coming to get us to take us home eagerly await Jesus return and find hope for today find hope for tomorrow find hope for the future So the trials and testings you're experiencing now, the battles with sin and your suffering, death and grief will all end one day. It will all end one day. Praise God. Be encouraged and stay in the love of God and await Jesus' return. There is Light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope. This is where history is headed. Awaiting for him. He's coming. Number three. These are a little shorter. Point three. Show God's mercy to all. Show God's mercy to all. So, verses 22 through 23. Look back there with me. It says, And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So there's a distinction made between the doubters that you see in the text, the saving others by snatching them out of the fire, and then showing others mercy here in this passage. So there's some distinctions there that I'm going to delve into here in just a bit. So, so in, in commentators note this as well. So in verse 22, Jude says, have mercy on those who doubt. You see that in the text? So the word for doubt here means not to waver. So not to waver. So similar to Paul's example of Abraham in Romans 4, 20 through through 21, where he says there, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So, so Paul uses Abraham as an example there. And I'm pulling that out to, to show an example of the word doubt, which can be translated waver to not waver. But you see Abraham here didn't waver. He didn't, he didn't disbelieve. It says no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. So it's the same kind of idea here. But in this context, in Jude, that these particular people are starting to doubt. They are starting to waver. So with this usage of the word, it makes sense that Jude is talking to believers. Seems that he's talking to believers. Makes sense that he will be talking to believers. Remember the context. False teachers have crept into the church and some in the church were beginning to doubt. They were beginning to waver from the apostles' teaching. We looked at that in the beginning. So remembering God's word, right? And Jude is encouraging the rest of the congregation to show mercy to them. To show mercy to them. He doesn't say bash them. He doesn't say judge them. He doesn't say distance yourselves from them. No, he's saying love them. Don't give up on them. Keep pointing them to the truth that is only found in Jesus. To those who are doubting. To those who that's doubting, love them. Show them the love of Christ. It's not over for them. Point them to Christ. Verse 23, the other distinction. So you have the doubters who are believers who are starting to waver because false teaching has infiltrated the church. Verse 23, Jude says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. So the idea here is not meaning that we have the means to save anyone, but we have the message that can save anyone. We don't have the means. We can't save nobody. (laughs) But Jesus do the gospel, can save anybody, right? So this is really a call to be urgent with the gospel. This is what is being said here, to be urgent with the gospel. Uh, Imagine a fireman or a firewoman running into a building that's on fire. Just imagine that, picture that for a moment, running into a building, kicking the door down, going through every room, trying to find this one person who is stuck in this building, and it's on fire. And this fireman or firewoman gets to this person in the nick of time, snatches them out of that room, brings them out of that building to safety. This is the idea here. This is what Christians do in evangelism. This is what we do when we share the gospel. When we share the the message of the gospel in hopes that it would save someone that's in danger. Save them from future judgment that's ahead of them, that's abiding over their head. Eternal hellfire. So the question then is, Christian, when is the last time you shared the gospel? When is the last time you shared the gospel with someone? There are people all around us who are heading to hell, sadly. And you and I have the message that can save them. We have the message that can save them. Again, we can't save them. We have the truth of the gospel that can, and God just calls us to share it with them, to tell somebody, to to, to love our neighbor enough to tell them the most important news in all the world. That Jesus can save you. It's unloving to hold that back. It's not loving to keep that message to ourselves. It's loving to tell our neighbors, our family members, our friends, our co-workers, whomever it might be, that there is a way of escape. We know it. Because God revealed it to us calls us to tell others that he might reveal it to them so dear Christian would you pray about this week who the Lord might have you to share the gospel with? Would you pray that the Lord would give you boldness this week to share the gospel with someone? Would you ask God, would you commit to praying? I pray this prayer often, would you commit to praying this prayer? God, open the door for the gospel and when you do Give me boldness to walk through it. Do you commit to praying that with me? And maybe yeah, see opportunities this week to share the gospel. The last part of verse 23 is a bit interesting. Here's what it says. It says, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So as I study this verse passage this past week, I learned uh, that Jude is looking back in an, at an Old Testament passage here to make a point about another group. Again, we've been thinking about these different distinctions, so those who have been doubted, those who are yeah, in the fire and need saving, and then here's a, a, another group, or as some commentators say, it could be that it's this particular group but also including those false teachers. Right? He says here, uh, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So this group here is ensnared by sin. This is what the idea is, that, that this group here is ensnared and trapped in sin. And he's looking back at Zechariah, chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. I'm going to read that here. It says, now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. The angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing so, simply put, what Jude is saying here is just like Joshua. There are people there then in Jude's time and in and, and our time now who are sinful. We're all sinful. We all, we all are sinners, <laughs> saved by grace, we still struggle with sin. But then there's particular things. Sometimes people are particularly ensnared trapped by specific sins. What Jude is saying here is show mercy to them. Show mercy to those who find themselves stuck in sin. This is what he's saying. But he also says to, to show mercy to so to do so with mercy and fear, as you see in the text, right? He says, and fear, meaning that we are to show mercy and grace to those who are stuck in sin but we are to have a godly hatred towards that sin we are to have a godly hatred towards our own sin and the sin that we see is running rampant in the lives of our dear fellow brother or sister right? we are to hate that I hate to see what sin is doing to you, what it's doing to me because God hates This is the type of fear, this is the type of hatred uh, that Jude is referring to in this text. And so in the same way that God, uh, in the same way that God to Joshua uh, removed his filthy garments, so his clothes, right? You see that in Zechariah? God wants to remove your sin, my sin, from me. And in the gospel, he has already removed our sin, right? He's removed our sin. And guess what he has done? He has clothed us with his righteousness. He's given us new garments. Right? We, we had that old busted, you know what I'm saying? Garments, right? Uh <laughs> I'm about the jump, But yeah, we had that old busted, you know, garments or whatever the case may be. Some some South Pole or something. I don't know what it was. I rocked South Pole when I was a kid. So we had some South Pole, but, but but now, but now we got Gucci or something. We got, you know, we got Rocker rock or something. I don't know. rock aware is still in existence. rock is not in existence anymore. It's gone, right? <laughs> I'm just thinking that now rock aware. boo, that's old. Anyway, y'all get the point. We had old busted garments. Jesus has given us new garments, uh, his righteousness, and he wants to free you and I from the bondage of our sinful flesh. That's what the idea here, when you look at the text at the end, it says flesh. It's referring to uh, not our skin, right? Not talking about our skin. That human flesh, in that sense, It's talking about the old man. It's talking about sinful flesh, right? So what God wants to do is he wants to remove the sinful flesh. He wants to, to give us a new man. He wants to to, to yeah, make us new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, like the oldest past, all has become new. It's new. We are new people in Christ. This is what God has done in and through the gospel, right? That God created us in his image. I His likeness like We are fallen because of our fallenness, because of our sin. We deserve his judgment, which is uh, eternal hell, which is a separation from him from all eternity. But he sends his son Jesus to live a perfect, sinless life in our place, to die the death that we all deserve on the cross for our sin. He died that gruesome death and was buried in a grave and was raised on the third day, offering eternal life to all who would put their trust in him by faith, believing upon him, alone for salvation. He says, once we do that, we can be saved. He will remove our sin as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. So what God has done in and through the gospel, he's given us uh, new garments, his righteousness. He has clothed us with his righteousness. We have put on his righteousness, right, that Christ has, has given us. So this is good news that has saved us. This is the good news that can save anyone who doesn't know. It, right? So... That's you. Put your trust in him. God wants to give you, he wants to, he wants to give you new gear. You think you rocking, you think you are cooling now, he wants to give you new gear, fresh gear, himself. Which leads to our last and final point. Number four, praise God for his works forever. Praise God for his works forever. Look back with me at the end of the text, verses 24 through 25, it says, which means worship or praise unto God. So essentially, Jude, from the top to the bottom, he's been dropping some beautiful doctrine. He's been contending for the faith. He's been warning the church. And then he breaks out into praise. Breaks out into praise just thinking about what God has done as we looked at verses 17 through uh, 23. Breaks out in praise and worship unto the Lord. Here's what he's praising God for. You look at the text. Here Here are the things he's praising God for. Number one, that God is able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to keep us from falling. All right? He kept the saints who were starting to doubt or to waver. He can keep any of us if there were doubts or wavering. He can keep you and me from falling into any particular sins today or tomorrow or in the days ahead he is able to do that he is powerful enough to keep us from falling this is the idea here you don't have to fall you don't have to sin God makes it clear in Corinthians that there is always an escape he always makes an escape and that escape is him he is the escape route so You don't have to fall today. Trust him. Believe upon him. Ask him to help you to to not fall. So trust him to do so. Cling to him. Number two, God will present you blameless without fault. So he will present you blameless. That means he's gonna present you without fault before his presence. I mean, think about that. You and I are guilty. We deserve judgment. But in Christ, God sees us as innocent. So the innocent one was treated guilty. But the guilty ones are now seen as innocent because of the one who was treated as Jesus. This is good news. This is wonderful news. So in Christ, our sins have been forgiven. They've been removed we have been given his righteousness and he will present us innocent before himself for all of eternity. This is why Jude is breaking out in praise. Because God is going to present us blameless without fault before him. And lastly, number three, God is worthy of all our praise forever. and Ever. This is This What is being said here, it's, it's, it's He is the only God who has made a way for us to be in relationship through his son, the Lord Jesus, all glory. He is due all glory. The glorious one is due all glory. He is due all honor, all praise. He's in a league of his own. There's no one like God. All majesty. He is majestic. He is glorious. He is good. Dominion. He has all control. All control. There's nothing that is happening in this world where God does not know. He does not see. There's nothing. And and so you think from the the most grand thing to the most minute thing. He is attentive to your details. Everything that happens in your life. Nothing too small, nothing too big. That he doesn't have control over, that he doesn't have dominion over, rule over. Because he is king of all. And power be unto him. He has all power. He has all power. There is no one who is more powerful than God. No one or nothing. He is the powerful one. So it says, all power be unto him forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This is why Jesus prayed. This is who God is. So toward that end, I promise you I'm almost done. just want to provide just some applications in light of everything that we've just been talking about. Just some applications uh, to take home with us this afternoon number 1 based on point 1 as we talked about remembering God's word how do we remember God's word okay how 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 do we actually do that Or well, some practical ways to do so things that you may already be doing things that I want to encourage us to do even the more one in order to remember God's word we have to read it have to read it so read God's word we have to study it we have to study God's word so carve out some time to read it and to carve out some time to study it, to, to delve deep into God's word, chapter to chapter, verse by verse, meditate on it, meditate on it, take a chunk, take a word, there's so much gloriousness, I mean, you can even take today, just taking now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, take that and meditate upon that for the week. there's gloriousness there, Memorize it. Again, using that same example, maybe memorize June 24. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, keep you from stumbling, and to present you, blameless, before his presence with great joy. Memorize it. Believe it. This is true, amen? Believe it. Rest upon it. And then lastly, how else do you remember God's word? In community. In community. We do those particular things, yes, personally. We also do those very same things that I just mentioned. Read it, study it, meditate on it, memorize it, believing it. In community. So we do this in community. So that's how we remember God's word. Joshua one day, he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. So maybe meditate on God's word. Number two, your responsibility to keep yourself in the love of God is only possible because His love is keeping you. All right? Just to remind us from that time, a few things here that's in the text. So build one another up. So build yourselves up, of building one another up. Privately and publicly, and I know we already do this, but I'm just encouraging it more and more. So, privately, I would encourage you this week. Man, drop someone a text, give someone a call with encouragement. Like, there's nobody in our church who does not need encouragement. Like, we all need encouragement. So, privately, pray about, consider dropping someone a text. Don't, don't overthink it. It doesn't have to be crazy, whatever. Just, hey, I, I, I was encouraged by whatever X, Y, and Z, whatever that might be. Drop somebody a text. Call them, encourage them. Public example, at our members meeting this week. So we have our members meeting this, this Wednesday. We do this at every members meeting. We have a time carved out in our members meeting where we get to encourage one another and to affirm one another. Come prepared with that time. Come, come with some things that you are ready to affirm your brother and sister in and encourage them. Alright? So that's building one another up. Pray for one another privately and publicly. Right? So private example. Um we all got church directories, right? And so uh, we have church directories with, with all of our, you know, pictures on it, names on it, contact information. Use that daily. Use that, take one person a day, two people a day, whatever, however it, it may work for you, and pray for the church directory. Pray for your fellow members. There's much to pray for. There's much to encourage one another for. Right? So that's that's private. We're calling someone else to pray. Right? Calling someone to, to pray with them, et that are Public example. So we had our monthly prayer meeting last week, which, which was a really blessed time and encouraging time. Um, now I want to have more of those, right? like to, to, But 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 at least on a monthly basis... We are gathering as a church body to pray. Come to that. Be a part of that. And let's pray for one another and pray for our community and pray for the world. Number three, keep, stay, linger in the love of God. You have a personal responsibility for that. And then there's a divine responsibility, right? God is going to do his part. (laughs) He does his part. He is going to do his part. He's continuing to do his part. You stay. You keep. Linger. Which means to stay a little while. Stay. Linger in the love of God. Personally, trust in God. For eagerly await Jesus' Eager, like, are you eager for this? Are you expecting of this? Are you comfortable here? Are you comfortable here? Someone has said it. I can't remember who exactly said it. You guys may know it as soon as I say it, but one of of our church uh, brothers and sisters from long ago said, We are to be living out of our suitcases. Christians are to be living out of our suitcases because our home is not here, our home is in heaven. So we are to be awaiting Jesus' return eagerly, like with excitement, joy, as He comes. Maybe even consider doing a study on heaven. Open up the text, study heaven, read the Book of Revelation, read in the Gospels where it talks about Jesus' return. Meditate upon that. Wrap your head around that, your mind around that. Like, like we want to. Want to make sure that we are reminded <laughs> that our hope is not here, it's in heaven. So, whatever ways, listen to music on it, read about it, study eagerly away it's turn. Number three, quickly, let me go. Uh, show mercy to your believing and unbelieving friends who die. All right, so, so seek ways to show mercy to them. Share the gospel with urgency as to save people out of the fire, right? So so what ways could you show mercy to someone? What practical ways could you do that? I'll trust and leave it to you, us, to be praying about that and thinking about those ways. But do it, (laughs) do it. Don't delay. Seek out ways to be merciful to one another. And then lastly, praise the Lord. Praise Him, praise Him. Open your mouths. Dance, sing, however, however, the Lord has wired you to praise God, praise Him. He is worthy of all your praise, all your adoration. Praise Him today, praise Him this week. Because He is able to keep you from stumbling. He will present you blameless. He's worthy of all your praise. In conclusion, recall the scriptures. Remember God's love keeps you. Relay God's mercy and message to all and regularly worship and praise God. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. Thank you for this time in your word. God, I pray that you would help us to eagerly eagerly await your return help us to remember your word to be reminded that it's your love that's keeping us to relay your mercy and your message to everyone and to regularly worship you help us to do all of these things for your glory for our good the advancement of your gospel hearings, Congress Heights, to the end of the year. Please, God, lastly, I just pray. Keep us from falling. Keep us from stumbling today. Keep us from falling this way. You are able to do it. Let not our ears be tickled by any false teaching. Protect us. Let us not be lured into any temptations or any sins. Keep us from that. But if we do, remind us, again, this is not a license to do so, but remind us that you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all our sin as we confess those things to And that the Lord Jesus is our advocate, representing us before the Father. He's our propitiation, our substitute. Help us to look to him. God, I pray that you would help us, that you would keep us, that you would sustain us. Give us greater affection. Stir the affections of Christ in our hearts more and more. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, mm-hmm.